Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I am here in Los Angeles and I am meeting for the first time Marcella Kroll, who is many, many different things. And we're going to talk about all of these, or I hope at least many of them today. Um, and I am also low-key really fangirling because I am a huge fan of your Sacred Symbol deck. Um, I, I got it about a year ago and I have actually have not done a personal session for myself with the cards without pulling this deck out Aww. and like clarifying things for myself because I think that's we're gonna well I would love to talk to you about it in depth so I don't want to get too ahead of myself but thank you so much for being here today thank you so much for having me we were just talking right before we started recording and I asked Marcella as I ask every guest on this podcast how would you like me to introduce you you know I definitely see myself as an artist first um artist alien <laughs> intuitive uh priestess uh, you know and on occasion teacher educator and it, it just it really um varies you know depending on what i'm into right now and what was how did you initially start moving in the direction of um working at least with you know esoteric practices working with witchcraft if that is something that you identify with mm -hmm. um what was your journey into the space well it, you know on a genetic level without knowing you know um it's inherited on some level, uh, you know, between, you know, ancestrally, my, you know, some of my relatives, you know, being connected, but I was adopted. So I didn't really know until much older oh, um, that I was being drawn to things that uh, were essentially in my blood. Um, when I was a kid, I was very fascinated with anything magical, um, anything that pushed beyond the realm of your immediate understanding or visibility and I could see and feel things and you know being a kid growing up in New England you get shut down pretty hard uh, by people and others that don't understand and so you know I, I even as you know uh, elementary school making potions and things you know and as I got older it you know, the voice in the things got louder and, you know, you start to believe, you know, it's like that put a bird in a cage long enough, it forgets, it doesn't know that it can fly, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and I, I did have some really intense um, drug and alcohol and mental health issues as a teen because of that denial and not knowing what was happening to me. Um, and, you know, through a series of unfortunate events, I came back to it. You know, um, I came back to uh, reading tarot, uh, you know, and looking at astrology and all of it was this self knowledge seeking, you know, why am I like the way I am and going to these tools and um, not having anyone to talk to, you know, where it became my work took a long time. Um, you know, it took a long time. Um, like I said, it was 18 when I had a near-death experience, it was my second <laughs> near-death experience. And it opened me up in a way that I couldn't shut it down anymore, but I still didn't know what was happening to me. So I was gifted a Decatero. I started looking up how to do charts. Um, also something that I, I'm not an astrologer. I don't offer that as a service, but it was something that I did for a personal journey. And also I was really good at it, you know, and um, 
not knowing that also, again, years later, you know, I find out that part of it is because this other stuff that I have going on, which I can talk about after. But, um, you know, I moved to flash forward, you know, 20 years later. And, you know, I um, have been living in Los Angeles for a while. And, you know, I would actually say less than that, you know, 20, and six I moved to Los Angeles from New York and um, a year and I was working jobs retail and then a year later to the date I lost everything and it sent me down a weird spiral and I had been doing readings by you know word of mouth but like I would never say oh I'm a reader Uh, that came in more apparent in 2007 I relapsed and I had my third near-death experience. Wow. Yeah. And um, I kind of was forced and into... And is there any... Um, are there any parallels between the type of near-death experience that they were? Or were they all very unique? They were pretty unique. You know, the first one, I was six months old. And it was like a health issue. Um, and I think also that's interesting. I, I think it's really telling of that 29th degree in a way, you know, um, being brought close to the veil um, more than once and being 29 degree Pisces, that bridge of the end and the beginning, I I feel like it's just very apparent, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, six months I had a, a development with my lungs issue, you know, that kind of thing. And I think it was just me absorb, I absorbed a lot of, I see it now as I absorbed a lot of grief. And I didn't want to be here. I didn't want to be in this body. I came back too fast. I didn't want to be here. and um, But I made it. <laughs> and then at 18, I overdosed. Um, another, like an attempt to escape, you know. Um, when that happened, I got pushed back into my body. And I literally felt like beings around me that were like, yeah, no, not yet. Mm. And then, you know, uh, you know, moving back, you know, moving here to L.A. and, and having, you know, the relapse and, um, I saw some things that I never, I kind of felt existed, but I didn't, the realm, like the veil got really thin and I went, oh my God, I don't, I don't, I can't live like this. Um, and I tried to take my life and, and, and it didn't happen. Obviously I'm still here and, you know, things just changed. Like I started getting calls. I started getting things and I got, I feel like I got pushed into this work a little bit, like definitely resistant you know, um, and I started doing readings because it was all I had that I could offer. I had nothing to offer. I had no home. I barely had a car. I like, I had nothing to offer but what I could with those work, that work. And it, it changed my life, you know, and it set me on a path. Um, and I moved into it full, full time, fully full time in 2008, you know. So 2007, the business began, but 2008 is where I was like, I can't do anything else. And it it started to expand into teaching. It started to expand into just by chance, you know, teaching tarot for teens with the library. And um, I had worked at the library as a clerk, you know, and they were like, you should do this. And again, resistant. I was like, nobody wants that. (laughs) They're like, no, no, they do. The kids want it. I was like, no, they don't. And and I just I showed up and I did it anyway. And um, again, doing readings wherever I could and getting yelled at in the process and 
um, by people who thought it was wrong for me to be charging or, mm, you know, classic. Yes. Cla- yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think about it now. I'm like, you can't throw a stone without seeing someone do- or being somewhere and s- someone's breaking out cards or doing a reading. Whereas I would set up at nightclubs or in the back of cafes here or at the Rose Bowl and I would be screamed at by Bible thumpers and really intense people that would be yelling at me and really letting me know what they thought of what was going on, Mm. you know, or be people that were just like really unloading their stuff, you know, and it's such a weird place to be in, you know, and and, uh, to, to know that you can hold that space and, and see it change in such a short amount of time. Yeah, I yeah. mean, the the transformation that's happened with the mystical and occult spaces over the past couple of years is, I mean, I, I guess maybe this is like my Capricorn rising coming out, but I'm like, I wonder what the, you know, because there's always going to be a backlash. Right. And I wonder what this one is going to look like because yeah. it's, we would be naive to think that it's just going to, you know, this is going to be the way of the future forever. That's right. not how history has proven itself to be. <laughs> right. Well, I think there's elements of that already happening. I mean, you're seeing a downfall in the spiritual community of some of these people who are like iconic, you know, um, and, you know, or these practices that were appropriated or different things. So there's that aspect where it's getting a restructure. But then also, and then I start to go down a rabbit hole of, but what about Atlantis, <laughs> you know, and the misuse and abuse of power and technology and, you know, how everything that has a big swell in a short amount of time is going to feel the growing pains of that. If it's not, you know, if the weak spots or the the things that were kind of patched together willy nilly or without kind of um, appropriate acknowledgement or recognition, you know, those things kind of fall apart. What do you think of is do you interact or have you had to experience people in the space who um who you don't think are either who are either abusing their powers mm-hmm. um or who are pretending to have them people who are just complete frauds is this something that you've encountered oh, oh my god yeah i mean multiple times between you know i worked at a pretty well known metaphysical place bookstore for 10 years actually just left there last year um and i saw a lot of people places and things come in and out of there you know um copy copy and paste you know or um presenting themselves as being the authority on something and or them saying that they were you know initiated into this or initiated into that and really you know they're plastic shamans or fraudulent or they're ripping other people off or, you know, they've got a hustle going. And I think, and um, I would see even with people who would come in to want to be readers, you know, like there was multiple times where other readers would come in and they would just, you know, they didn't last long. And I think that's the thing. At first, that stuff used to, because even in my own experience, people have like copy and pasted like my own bio and said it was theirs. It's crazy. It's so nuts. But like, or or classes or, you know, I, I had a podcast. I still have a podcast, but I haven't recorded in over well over a year and a half because I I just got so distraught and kind of crestfallen that people would take something and just regurgitate it and, and then monetize it for themselves. So um, it's definitely out there. I mean, it's the nature of the culture we live in. It's really easy to screenshot something or copy and paste. And the difference I have today 
you know, the difference in a year and what it's taught me is I really have come to an understanding that the real work will shine through. And it those fraudulent kind of people or, or situations or things, if you stop giving them your energy, they have nothing to feed off of. The parasites, they can't hold their own. You know, I had someone that I was friends with that, you know, tried to really like take uh, the work that, you know, I had done and tried to regurgitate it. And it obviously didn't go over well, you know? Um, whereas at first I was so upset. I was so upset and hurt and felt so much betrayal that all I could do is feel like a victim until I realized that like when I got feedback after that it didn't go so well for them, I was like, yeah, because it's not their truth. It's not their, they're not living it. And I think there's a difference. I think there's a difference between trying it on and working on yourself and, and you know, claiming your ownership with that. But when you try to uh, push it forward like it was your idea or if it's not really in alignment with your, like if you're not living, breathing it, you're not going to be able to hold it up for right, very long. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you'll you'll crash and burn because this work is hard as fuck. Right. Also, crashing and burning is part of the process too. It's how you show up after. Mm, Do you yeah. clean up the mess? Do you amend for your mistakes? Do you take accountability for... Um, you know, your mess ups and, 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 and also just like try to do better. The thing that um, I find a little disturbing right now, more than these like very bullshit people mm -hmm. who step in because they're always going to be there. Right. I mean, that's, you know, I remember in, in elementary school or I think maybe early middle school, there was like a girl who I would go out and get pair of UFO pants yeah. <laughs> in purple and she would come with a pair of UFO pants sure. in purple and she was like I felt like the the carbon copy of me except done with more money and more right. resources yeah thank you thank you for saying that because that's exactly it there is this element of that whoa yeah you just nailed it yeah because that always is part of it oh it's a major part yeah. of it and that's been my whole life you know whether it's been you know look i'm an artist first and foremost before i did this work in my you know in my early 20s and mid 20s i made a living making art and i um and i remember like you know i i, I grew up in providence rhode island i was part of an arts community there i did not go to RISD. like if you're from there <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you're from there you don't go to RISD. you're too poor you know like yeah. but like i would meet you know, just just examples, you know, I, I remember I meet like, you know, people from RISD and then like next thing you know, my silkscreened idea is like stolen and regurgitated on like fancy paper and all this stuff, whereas like because the money was there and it's like, you know, there is a constant rip off scenario when when the, the finances come into it, you know, and um, but at the same time, I have to look at that stuff and go, it just doesn't have any soul. Yeah. And I think that there will be a sort of reckoning of it. I think that is actually mm -hmm. what the fallout of sort of the bubble of the spiritual community bursting sure. is going to be. I think sure. that it's going to, you know, all of the bullshit corporations mm -hmm. and corporate people <laughs> who yeah. are ultimately trying to just 
profit and I have n- everyone should make money right it's, so it's complicated in that way because right. I want you to be as rich as you could possibly be in this lifetime and more you know mm-hmm. monetarily right and but I also you know having being honest and having integrity and actually knowing what you're doing is an important part of that equation sure um, but I think that what the fallout is going to be is all of the fake versions the carbon copies are going to not be able to withstand it but the thing that i am even more afraid of than the rich girl with purple ufo pants (laughs) is um is i'm afraid of cults right now cults yes i think that we are living in a time where people Mm. who might even know what they're talking about could really abuse their power. Oh yeah. And I've been ruminating on this where Marcel and I are talking and it's it's the eclipse today. It's the lunar eclipse in Capricorn. We have this opposition between Cancer and Capricorn. And I've been thinking about, you know, the establishment versus the people and and what this means with these systems and we're living in a very tumultuous and scary time. And today back-to-back headlines were that you know, police were going to not be charged for murder. And then New York City landlords are going to take uh, the new rents, the, the, the amazing rent stabilization laws and take it to Supreme Court hmm. because they're saying it's unconstitutional, which is ridiculous. Wow. So I was reading these headlines and thinking about how there's there's so much fear yeah. and there's so many things that we really should be afraid of right now. And with that, a lot of people could step up and end up trying to take advantage of that in very scary ways. Because when we look at history again, that also comes into play. You know, even in the late 60s and 70s, we had so many cults in the United States and we were living in very similar times. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm just pulling up here because there's also, you know, I just also want to mention that these ice raids that are happening right now. Oh, like, of course. Right now, um, Pier Street and Laurel Canyon, their ice is literally walking up to cars and oh my traffic. God. And like we are in, there's camps, there's, there's, and there's this big, these divides, you know. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of also power hungry people, you know, and yeah, the idea of cults or, um, movements, you know, uh, happening are very prevalent. Everyone's there's a survival game happening right now, you know, and it's like, who, what, what team are you going to be on? Yes. And, and there are a lot of people that just go, I don't want to decide, just put me here, you know? So we are living in this very interesting time where we're being forced to kind of, first of all, I, I just want to acknowledge and say that there's so many people who are born you know, to walk through this era because they were put here to rebalance the karma, to break the ancestral curses, to reposition timelines. And I I think that we're we're really feeling the like the scramble before we hit 2020. And and I feel like there's and I'm sure astrologically, you you've seen like with 2020, there's going to be just some major movements. Yeah, we have so much happening we have the great conjunction jupiter and saturn yeah we have saturn and pluto mm-hmm. uh we obviously in uh, here on 
the terrestrial plane have the election. Yeah, it's um, so much happening. Yeah, and we also have Pluto return mm -hmm. in 2022 coming right. right around the corner. Yeah. So yes, there's this is actually something on the podcast we talk about a lot because how could we not? You know, mm -hmm. it would be yeah. irresponsible to not talk about all of the things that are happening right. and also how they relate to these bigger karmic cosmic uh, synchronicities mm. and patterning. Um, when you said, I want to go back to something you said, which is ancestral curses. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, the way that I see past life and past lives are mm -hmm. through really what we inherit generationally. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you being at 29 degrees Pisces, which is the last degree of one cycle of the zodiac before we begin again with Aries, which I think is one of the most powerful and charged placements is that 29 Pisces degree. Um, that is carrying everything with it. That's carrying 359 degrees of the zodiac before it gets to 29 degrees Pisces. Mm. So that is so much knowing. Too much knowing. Too much. Yeah. <laughs> so much knowing. <laughs> so I, when people ask me like, oh, what does it mean to be past lives? Even though I wish that everyone was Cleopatra and right. Napoleon and like Elizabeth Taylor, like. <laughs> right, right. Totally. totally. I, I think that what past lives are is really what we inherit. Mm. Um, and mm -hmm. the, the pain and the joys and the fear mm -hmm. and the secrets that yeah. we carry. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. what is. When you say ancestral curses, what does that mean to you? I think it's it's you know, and not just curses. It's it's curses, legacies, all those things. It's um, you know, we are at an interesting point. Like I really feel like I even reluctantly, you know, came into this line, um, you know, born to who I was born to, at the intersection of many in many pains um and when i say that it's it's like i got a lot of cleanup work to do you know it's like you can't go from knowing to unknowing again you know like um i was always the truth serum in my family and still am to this day and i think that's why we have like live so far away from each other is i'm the 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 when I was little I would say things or see things that would um bring up stuff for people you know the shit they were hiding the things they weren't acknowledging you know in a very innocent way because what did I know I was a kid and and I feel like I'm the first one out of both sides to try and heal their addiction issues I'm the first one to acknowledge and try to integrate my multiracial backgrounds and not oppress or shame or or obliterate one side or the other you know to exist and the you know and, and and i think there are or even financial karma financial pains um belief systems old constructs you know i come from and i'm just using my own example here because this is what i can relate to i can't speak for other people you know, in their generational curses or legacies. But, you know, I come from criminals, abusers of power on one side. And then I come from, you know, um, indigenous people who were stolen, their culture was stolen. Um, and I come from 
you know, West African slave, you know, descendants, and then Irish famine. And the same thing with my Filipino heritage, too. They were the first to encounter the Spanish. So I come from the colonizer and the colonized, you know, and and I have to heal that. That is my job in this lifetime, you know, is it's not to fix it. It's not to to pretend it never existed or make it go away, but it's also not to be victimized by it anymore either and not to abuse my own power, you know. Um, generationally, I need to heal my financial architecture, you know, uh, that came in from my ancestors back, you know, on both sides, you know. Um, my physical and like sexual shame, you know, all of the things as, as, uh, you know, as a cis born woman, as a, you know, person who can be white passing as a person who can, you know, there's so many things that come up. And it's like you said, it's almost like it's too much. It's, it's like the, the knowing on a cellular level to knowing on a psychic level, conscious level, and then on a physical level to know all these things in the whole spectrum and then go, you know, that that's, a, it's a little bit much. It's no wonder I've tried to exit my body so many times. It's a lot of pressure. And um, it's interesting, you know, I, you brought up the 29 degree again, you know, like that, to me is such a window of, um, I never really understood the importance of it until the last few years, you know, and, you know, and um, we, we, we all have our own things we have to do. You know, we have our own work, but I think now more than ever, I'm seeing more people owning it, mm -hmm. you know, like, okay, we're not doing this anymore. I'm not carrying the torch for this architecture anymore. You know, I could have really easily stayed in my bubble where I lived and been miserable, but like continued some masking of who I was, you know, and, and, and even to that, like, that's the other stuff that's come to light. You know, I'm a, the first person like diagnosed with a very late diagnosis. I'm 42 years old. And I got diagnosed with a high functioning autism spectrum. And I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> you know, like, um, and it's like, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence that all of this stuff is like coming out much later. You yeah, know, in and, life. I, and that is also the 29 degrees. Right. So a few things for people listening to uh, the 29th degree is also called the anoretic degree. Um, it's a very, uh, the way I describe it to clients is sort of this, the transition, if you're imagining Spider-Man, Tobey <laughs> Maguire, I hope, <laughs> the OG Spider-Man to me. <laughs> and that process where he's becoming Spider-Man and like he's like maybe in pain and itchy and like hairs are coming out of him or maybe I'm thinking of Jeff Goldblum in the fly at this point <laughs> I don't know but something is happening where he's transforming and then the next shot it's like full-on Spider-Man right the 29th degree is that transformation process yeah the 29th degree is when you are itchy and in pain and you're like get yeah. me out of the skin what's happening to me but you're not over at the other side yet right the other side is when we have zero degrees right the other side is when we start into a new zodiac right sign so the 29th degree is so charged because it's changing. It's in the process of moving, but you're still here. Mm. And then the 29th degree, we ask, why are you still here? Right. You know, what What are you still doing at this at on this side of the tracks? Mm -hmm. Why haven't you crossed over yet? Mm -hmm. So 
and that is you know and that's not supposed to be a challenging question of like what <laughs> what right. are you doing here but it's, <laughs> i ask myself all the time why are, I, why are we still here what are we doing but sometimes yeah. we, we do i mean with 29 we have to ask that because there's a purpose mm. you know there's intention and there's power and magic mm-hmm. so much magic in the 29th degree mm-hmm. this applies to you can see planets any planet in 29 degrees in your chart is going to have that energy to it but the sun in particular is which is our ego our sense of self it's our the vessel that we're using to drive through this world Mm -hmm. when we have that in 29 degree it's so palpable because we interact with it every day it's the sun yeah so the sun at that degree is is charged um i think that there is you know i think that in trying to figure out people ask me all the time about like what's my purpose and I think the only way to really know our purpose is to look to the past. Right. And mm-hmm. to understand, you know, why we are thinking the way that we are. Totally. And to recognize that maybe there that wasn't what we need as people. You know, mm-hmm. maybe our familial relationship with money or values or body image mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, establishment Mm -hmm. is not appropriate for us as people right and then it is our job Mm -hmm. to transform that and change that do you do you feel like i i just bring this up because with purpose back to purpose i i also you know i always like to look at that north node too and look at that and go okay like yes the past is like kind of the, the keys to our purpose but then it's like i think the north node kind of provides us with the 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 medium the tool to kind of get that done. Well, I think that I think that you're right. I mean, I think the south and north node, um, south representing where you were, north representing where you're going, are really provide a lot of that information. I am a south node sun conjunct person in wow. the eighth house. Wow. So <laughs> my south node is, I know it very intimately. Mm. I have lived it many, many lives. Wow. Um, it's the North Node in Aquarius in the second house, finding my own resources, wow. carving out my own value system. That is what I'm working towards. Wow. So I, it's much more comfortable for me to sit in my South Node in the eighth house, you know? Yeah. I can hang out there all day long. <laughs> but it's the North Node stuff that is, that's the hard stuff, right. you know? Right. That's, we don't know that. So we have to, we have to constantly be asking ourselves, is, am I... Am I going where I need to go right now or am right. I sitting in my comfort zones? Totally, totally. Yeah, that second eighth house access is so intense. Um, it's you know, so intense. It's so intense. Yeah, yeah, and I think the second house is, you know, we can sort of on a surface level be like, oh, it's money and it's movable things and it's values, but no, mm-hmm. because there's no house that doesn't exist without it being on an access. Right. So it's the same with the sixth to the twelfth house. The sixth house is daily routines and our jobs and our pets and it has this very mundane energy Mm -hmm. but it's connected to the 12th which is like the end of all ends (laughs) like (laughs) which is yeah where it's like this eclipse is hitting me right now (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, it's like what's going on (laughs) same same yes um another thing that i i want to make sure that we talk about is is the work that you produce um i want to obviously for my own selfish reasons want to know about your sacred symbol deck and how that came to be Mm -hmm. um and then all of the other work that you're creating as well um cool yeah i so uh sacred symbols okay so the short version um 
you know, several years ago, I was having a really challenging time with my work. It was a time where I was kind of forced to really own it, you know, to really own that, like I was doing this. And I, I tried to run away. I went to New Mexico. Um, that lasted about three months and I came back. A valiant effort, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, you know, it was one of those things where like, you know, I can see it now in hindsight. I thought, oh, I'm just gonna, here I am, take me. And it was like, get out of here. Like, who are you? <laughs> well, like, I, you know? <laughs> I also want to bring up because this is the, a recurring pattern, I, I, at least from what you've shared so far yeah. today, um, is that every time you try to run away, it's <laughs> like you just, it's like, nope. No, every <laughs> it's time. It's not happening. No. Starting I, from six months old. Yeah, every time. It's like, nope, you're not doing that. You're, you're walking through it, you know? And so I came back here, and it's funny. It's just like I never, LA was never on the map for me. It was not a place. I was like, I have to go. I had never imagined being here, but I end up here, and I try to leave, and I end up here. And I came back, and when I came back, I couch surfed for a while. I was homeless. I, I was staying on a friend's couch, and you know, that summer. And um, it just became the first. So I had notebooks of just like some ideas fleshed out. And I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to draw these out. So the first sacred symbols incarnation, I created essentially when I was homeless, they were hand drawings little on a little pad with um, some watercolor. And I edited them on an iPhone three. <laughs> in an app and I had another friend who was like what are you doing I'm like I don't know this is what I'm just like send me those pictures and she set them up for me into like printable files and it just took on a life of its own and it like by the grace of some higher power it came through I had a cl another client was like you should make those into cards I was like I don't have any money I had no money I had nothing I was living out of my car you know or on a couch and all my belongings were in a car and my client at the time was like how much is it? I was like, it's this much, you know, to make a hundred. And she's like, here you go. And it was not a borrow. It was a gift. And it was really, I just think the work needed to come out and it needed to start this platform, this threshold. And since then, uh, honestly, I thought I'd be like left with like, I thought like, I'll probably sell 20 to people I know and the rest will be dusty forever. And then they sold. And then more sold and then different people started asking for them and then spellbound sky which is a shop here we're like we want to carry them and and it just evolved you know into this thing and at the same time um you know i went through some pretty intense hardships i went through um, my adopted dad was killed and then i went through a breakup and you know all of this stuff just everything that was like not supposed to be in my life imploded you know again again and again it just build up, build up, implode, explode, whatever needed to happen to put me back on the path. And, you know, with some time, things shifted and changed. And I, I was like, you know, what? I want to evolve this. So I made a second edition. And then from there, I, you know, more life changed. I got sober, you know, and I created another deck. You know, I created the Nature Nurture Oracle out of a really ominous download that I kind of got felt like got dropped into my head like a floppy disk drive from the universe that was like you need to make uh, a deck with like animals and archetypes that won't exist if we don't put our attention to them so the the goal purpose was that not just, I just got chills it was really intense that thing followed me around for months that you know and I ignored it and then it came in again and and, it, and then it came in again and 
to the point where then I got sick for like two weeks and all I could do is draw. So I was like, okay, it's happening. And <laughs> yeah. And it was like, all right, man, so. <laughs> <laughs> the universe doesn't fuck around with you. No, it's like, it's very <laughs> like smackdown. Oh, you don't have the time to do this? Well, yeah. Here, be bedridden. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what it does. Because otherwise I'm running around like a maniac, you know, and also because people are constantly coming to me you know they're coming to me to be the space holder and I'm a bleeding heart and that's why sometimes I have to be a little bit vigilant with my boundaries because um things will eat up my time and space like before I know it and then you know in the last couple of years I've been feeling the inkling to redesign sacred symbols um to create a third edition for many reasons one was um I think just like people can grow and evolve, I think tools can grow and evolve too. And, and I was finding that the things that, you know, when I created that deck, like I said, I was homeless, it was not well thought out. The writing is like, there's a million mistakes, there was a bunch of things. And also, it was part of my journey in discovering who I was, you know, um, I didn't know for, you know, up until last year, who my biological father was, I didn't know any of that stuff. And I just had um, pieces of clues. And some of the symbols and things I feel like it was, a, it was time for me to update the deck on many levels. One, um, you know, the issues of appropriation and different things like that. Yes, very, very, um, things need to be acknowledged. Things need to be amended, you know, and I realized that some of the symbols in there, they're not appropriate anymore, you know? Um, and also when I did find my biological father through a random genetic test match, um, wow. yeah, we got like, hello, you have a new relative, close relative match. I was able to get the answers about where I came from nationality, ethnicity, you know, history. And it felt it deemed appropriate to change that first deck because of those reasons, multiple reasons, things, symbols and things that were not mine to be using or profiting from or to benefit from. But also just, you know what, grow up, <laughs> just grow up tools, just like you, you have to grow up, you know, so I redid the whole thing, you know, and in a month span, I redrew the whole deck. I wrote the booklet, redesigned it with another, I had hired someone to help me. And then, because also I was doing all this stuff by myself as usual and going, you can't do everything yourself. You might be, that's the old survival tool is to not ask for help. So it was a learning curve and asking for help too. So, you know, some people got bummed. They were like, I like the old ones better. And I'm like, that's great. You can have the old ones. They still exist if you can get them, but things grow and change. I'm not the old person. And I'm so thankful I'm not, you know, and, and I feel like it's just opening things up to a different place. Um, and that's the whole point of why I'm here and why I'm doing this. It's to grow and evolve, to constantly be changing. And I love that, you know, um, I, I used to like feel so demonized by my Aquarius rising because I thought it just made me such a freak and such a weirdo and unrelatable. And, you know, and you're like such an alien. And then now I'm like, you know what, I kind of enjoy that it gives it allows me to have a little bit of a detachment to go it's okay to change it's okay to think ahead you know not future trip but just you know try to be progressive yeah and know? and the planets are always in motion i yeah. mean the last thing that anyone should ever do is get stay how they are uh totally evolution yeah. is 
imperative. Yeah. What yeah. are what is astrology if not for motion? Yeah. You know, it's well, and I think people also get really hung up and they don't want things to change because they are like, I just figured it out. Why is it got to change again? But again, you know? we look at the past to say, why are we afraid of change? Because our species was afraid of change. Right. You know, we didn't want to change because that could mean extinction. Right. So eclipses were scary to our ancient ancestors because it was change right and change was scary but we are now not in the place where that change is something we should fear it's something we should embrace mm -hmm. because we need to change things totally so desperately absolutely you know and 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 uh and you know what anytime i've made something nobody's liked it at least in my mind and then you know and maybe maybe people don't get it at first and even with sacred symbols you're like i i pushed it to i've pushed that deck to so many publishers and they're like now now and then i see the things that they're putting out and i'm like really okay but then it doesn't matter what those publishers think because other people when i hear their response to how they connect to it to how it's helped them to how it's helped their three-year-old to how it's helped their 80 year old you know parent or grandparent like that to me is the the place where it matters you know um i've never fit into quote unquote normal um or corporate or whatever and and that's fine too and um you know i have a book coming out in the fall and this is another thing i've had publishers recently in the last couple of years start to reach out to me and they're giving everyone's getting book deals now and i think it's awesome i see so many witchcraft books astrology books you know um, opportunities for things to be visible and i think it's amazing and um you know i get a little hurt you know because i'm like i'm not asked i'm not invited i've been doing this for so fucking long i've been <laughs> suffering i've been dragged over hot coals you know and willingly like okay, I'm doing this, you know, and, and I get upset about like lack of recognition. But then, you know, when I have been approached, I've been like, really, this is what you want me to write? No, <laughs> uh, no, I'm not writing instructions on how to be a witch. You know, like, that's your path. But anyway, I have I've had ideas and I've pitched them and no one's wanted them. And then, you know, I've got this book coming out. And I finally feel like I've, I've it's um it's the beginning of some shift. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to write a book about the work that was art, but it was also a memoir without a biography without being a memoir, basically, you know, utilizing my own experience, but without me saying, hey, this is my life. Listen to Mary. Well, I think that what is what resonates about your experience is that it's so many experiences. Yeah, I think so many people can. Uh, connect to if not all of it then parts of it because right. you've lived so many lives right. within your own life already yeah. and that uh, that is something very relatable mm -hmm. so even if there's parts of who you are mm -hmm. that other people are not like I haven't had that experience x y and z there's other ones right. that people have right. and even with having so much um, biological and adopted history mm -hmm. you know two different yeah. worlds totally. four different parents you know mm -hmm plus all the ancestors that come with it right totally it's it's a lot you know there really is so much living within you right that it makes sense that you can create work that people that can help people too thank you i hope so i mean that's really just like the big goal here is like you know and when it comes down to real simple things you know it's like i want to enjoy my time here i want to know that the work that i've done can help others or at least provide them the space to figure it out 
and you know what's going to be their purpose and what's going to help them and you know hopefully be able to take care of myself in the process because you know financial fear is real and I'm in it right now I hear I'm you. in it and in it in, in, in a different way you know it's not like it's in a different way it's I am trying not to future trip about the state of the world you know when we're sitting here and like there's been earthquakes recently and there's been this and there's been that and you're just like okay this is what we're doing I used to be really good at survival I mean I still think I am but I'm more much more emotionally invested in being here as a human now yeah and survival is um is not a healthy state for us to live in constantly no it's definitely a, but not. you know I always say that one of my justifications for being in fight or flight mode constantly was like I'm great in an emergency situation same yeah yeah totally <laughs> yeah like <laughs> you're like the one that right people who cares call. about my cortisol levels yeah. like <laughs> um if there's an emergency I'm great totally. which is true I really am but emergency situations do not come up that often totally, totally. <laughs> you know right. like I can't have my whole life being on edge because of the fluke emergency situation sure. that I'm presented in sure. um this is a very recent sort of recognition because I that's been my rhetoric for my entire life. Oh, totally. <laughs> well, it's like, where am I useful? Okay, here. I'm great at this. Right. You, know? you got an issue? Here I am. Totally. Which is good and it's a good skill, but it's it definitely takes a toll on one's body. Right. Um, and mm -hmm. mind and heart mm -hmm. and... Well, it's also this desire to be useful, you know, and I think it comes back to our own, you know, um, you know, we just want to fit in somewhere. We want to have a purpose. And, you know, sometimes we're so scared of our purpose that we try to create new ones. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's very beautifully said. So, Marcella, where can we find you? I am, uh, I'm really bad with the internet in terms of social media, but I do have Instagram. Uh, it's at Marcella Kroll. And I have a website, MarcellaKroll.com. And, um, those are the best places to find me and what's going on. You know, I'm, you know, I had to get rid of a lot of social media stuff just because it was too much. I was so sensitive, but that I would get, you know, Piscean uh, escapism land and be like, oh, five hours later, wait, what was I doing? Did I need to eat? Wait, what happened? You know? Yeah, I so hear you. I would say my website, um, I have a sign up there for uh, my mailing list, which I, you know, very periodically send stuff out. And then, but my Instagram is the best way to keep up with me right now until there's another platform or something else that shows up. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think we're all in that boat. Right. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.